welcome you today to our program. Thank you for tuning in to our broadcast. We're going to be continuing with uh, our series study on standing against Satan. And today we're going to be in chapter or uh, lesson number 11 or chapter 11. Um, and the title of this uh, study is going to be When Praying and Fasting Go Together. But we want to thank you for tuning in today. For those of you who are faithful and tuning in and listening to us, we hope you're enjoying this series and that it's a blessing to you as it is a blessing to uh, myself to do it. We pray that God will richly bless his word and that people will be changed. The Holy Spirit will draw them to to himself and that they would accept Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose of what we do here. So without further ado, let's have an opening prayer and then we'll continue with our study Lesson number 11, when praying and fasting go together. Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. Lord, we thank you for the many, many blessings that you bestow upon us each and every day. And Father, we know that there are so many in the world today that are are suffering and, and doing without. And Lord, we lift them up to you for your mercy and your grace. Father, I pray that you would be with all those within the sound of my voice that you would uh, richly bless them. Father, I pray for those that are lost and undone, that doesn't know Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them to a point of redemption or repentance so they may be redeemed by your Holy Spirit and be saved in the name of Jesus Christ and that they would have an eternal home with you. Father, be with this lesson now as we continue with our study on standing against Satan. And Father, we pray that you would bless not only the message, but those that hear it and bless me, Lord, that I might uh, present this in a way that's pleasing to you to lift up your name and glorify you. And it's all about you, not about us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Jesus was questioned in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 about fasting. It says there that uh, John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said, as long as I'm with them, um, meaning his disciples, uh, as long as I'm with them, there was no need to fast because he was with them. Now verse number 15 says, and Jesus told them, can the friends of the bridegroom, which is uh, disciples mourn as long as the bridegroom, which is Jesus, is with them but the days will come when the bridegroom Jesus will be taken away from them and then they will fast now this verse the bridegroom is Jesus okay we just said that and he says that when he is taken away and not with them then they will fast and I want you to notice it does not say they may fast or that they can fast it says they will fast This is a requirement from God's word. It is a very small sacrificial action that we as Christians perform to show our obedience and love for Christ and for what he did for us on the cross at Calvary. If we go to Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29, and in verse 17 and 18, here's what we find. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit 
and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they uh, should cast it out, but they could not. Now, as we look further, we find Jesus saying in a verse uh, 19, Bring him to me. And Jesus asked, verse 21, How long has he been, or how long has this been happening to him? And the Father states, From childhood. Now, in verse 22, the Father goes on to say, But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. In verse 23, then Jesus tells him, the Father, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. In verse 24, the Father cries out to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. In verse 25, Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Death and dove spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Here we need to notice that Jesus told this spirit to enter him no more. Now finally, in verse 28 and 29, the disciples come and ask Jesus, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus replied, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. By This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So after reading and studying this, we see that the disciples had not been fasting as stated by Jesus in Matthew 9, verses 14 to 15 above. Now in the Mosaic Law, there were commands of fasting, but Jesus was teaching his disciples of himself. Jesus said he wasn't here to do away with the law, but he was here to fulfill the law. So if Jesus was living with us, and we saw and communed with him today, we would uh, need not fast because he's with us. He is with us in spirit and our greatest friend and companion. There's no doubt about that. But with the disciples, well, he was there all the time. He was all, all in all and lived with them as they lived day, to day, day by day. So they didn't have to fast at that time. So verse 29 is the key verse here where the Lord Jesus linked prayer and fasting together. He added fasting to prayer, and he clearly said that there are times when prayer needs to be accompanied by fasting before it can be effectual. We all know something of the experience of prayer, but how much do we know from practical and personal experience about fasting? We have to ask the question, what is fasting? Well, it is a voluntary denial of things that ordinarily and in themselves are quite lawful and legitimate in order that the face of God may be sought in earnest, definite, persistent prayer. Fasting may have reference to any one of the below uh, topics. Number one would be food. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 16 17, David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and laid all night on the ground so the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground but he would not nor did he eat food with them so david uh, began praying for uh, the child that he uh, had through uh, bathsheba which later on died but david fasted 
and went and lay all night praying on the ground that God would spare the child, and he did not eat food. Now in Esther chapter 4, verse 16, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Now this is when Esther went to save the Jews from uh, Haman, who was trying to uh, kill the Jewish people. And they fasted to God, and and uh, the Jews were spared and saved. Now Jonah chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, it says, And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. So Jonah here, when he preached to Nineveh, 120,000 sinners were saved in the town of Nineveh. Number two, we have sleep. As again, And we'll go back to Second Samuel 12. Uh, 16 and it said David we're talking about David fasting uh, for the child for the baby and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground so he did not sleep not he, he didn't eat drink or sleep now number three pleasures and comforts John 7 53 and everyone went to his own house then in John 8 1 but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives so when everybody went to their house to rest Jesus uh, went to the Mount of Olives to pray, and he gave up his pleasures and his comforts in fasting uh, before God to re to stay connected to God through the Holy Spirit. And then there's the thing of sexual sexual relations in Exodus chapter 19, uh, 14 and 15 says, So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Do not come near your wives. Now, this is when Moses was preparing the Israelites in the wilderness to meet God for the first time. They had to be sanctified through washing, bathing, and uh, washing their clothes also. And they weren't allowed to uh, have relations with their wives because they were to be sanctified. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5 says do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and then come together again so that satan does not attempt you because of your lack of self-control so in this verse we're saying we are to separate ourselves from each other man and wife man and woman and dedicate ourselves to fasting and prayer but then when that's over you're to come together with your wife so that you may not be tempted by satan for your lack of self-control now this is a lust for man's lust for woman or however you want to look at it uh, there's a method to resist temptations through the scriptures and to be loyal and dedicated to god through fasting and prayer. It is clear from these references that there should be times in life of every Christian when one or other of these things is deliberately put aside in order to earnestly seek God in prayer so that his rich blessings may be outpoured. 
This should be the case of the life of every church. But now, we must ask this question. When should fasting accompany our praying? When communion needs to be deepened and faith has to be restored, that's point number one. How possible it is to lose a special sense of God's presence only to find that our faith, instead of being strong, has become weak. Whenever we are aware of any problems in our communion with God or any doubting of his loving plan and purpose for us, we should at once proclaim a fast. That is set apart a definite time to earnestly seek him in persistent and believing prayer and in the devotional reading of his word. Search your heart. Are you getting slack? Are you out of touch with God? If so, set aside a time when you will seek his face so that the sense of God's blessings and the power of his spirit may be restored in your life. The second point is when prayer needs to be empowered and victories have to be won. Now, by studying Mark 9, 29, very carefully, we will find that some prayers need fasting to ensure victory. You can believe this because Jesus said so. How often do we pray and nothing seems to happen? How often do we pray and we feel we are asking the Lord to do a very difficult thing? But the fact is that prayer should always prevail and nothing is too hard for the Lord. Go with me to Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. Chapter 18, verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Now, this is when God had told Abraham that he was going to have a son, and him and, him and Sarah were almost 100 years old, and they were going to have a son. But he says here, at the, at the appointed time. What is the appointed time? Well, Abraham didn't know, neither did Sarah. But God knew he had an appointed time. And that's what he's saying. We have to have an appointed time that we come before the Lord seeking his face and all of our devotion and love for God that we've dedicated this time. Nothing's going to interfere with it. We're seeking the face of God. Now, prayer is not secure in the answer you seek. Fasting should be engaged in. Okay? If we're praying, we're not getting the answer. We may need to fast and pray at the same time. It becomes a very definite and serious business, much more so than if we just pray. So fasting and prayer is a higher level of reaching to God than just praying. Now read through the above definition of fasting, again in the light of Mark 9, verse 29. Now point three, when confession needs to be made and forgiveness has to be sought. Now, in most cases, this is the confession is related to when someone sins, knowingly they sin a sin, and they want to confess that sin and ask forgiveness. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12, 1 through 17, we find the story of how King David took Bathsheba, and we're back to that story again about him uh, having the illegitimate child through Bathsheba. The husband was killed on the battlefield, and he took Bathsheba as his wife. But when the baby was born, God re reacted without mercy. Even though G uh, David fasted and prayed for mercy, the child died. It is a horrific story of human misleading by evil. And even though K David was king and the 
king in the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart when a child of God falls into sin that sin will be forgiven immediately when it is repented of and confessed now in 1 John 1 9 it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness but there should be a time of voluntary humiliation before God concerning the, the whole matter God is so gracious in forgiving us of our sins there should be a certain level of humiliation before him and a real effort to resist temptation and then we go to point number four when sin needs to be exposed and wrong has to be put right now looking back when we were discussing Joshua in chapter 7 in the last chapter we see how the sin of one man caused defeat but note the fact that uh, Achan's hidden sin was only detected after prayer and fasting together these will reveal the hindrances in our own lives and in the work of the churches in which we are working for the Lord looking at Psalms 139 verse 23-24 we find search me O God and know my heart try me and know my anxieties and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting Acts chapter 5 verses 1-11 through 11 tells the story of a man named Ananias with Sophia, his wife, who sold a possession. This is when the disciples uh, were forming the church in Jerusalem after the Pentecost. And he kept back part of the proceeds, and his wife also being aware of it. And he brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, Peter said, Why have you uh, conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. The sad thing is Ananias' wife, Sapphira, was brought in, and she said the same thing and lying to God, and she too fell dead. Now, we can never hide or lie to God and get away with it. Now, the heart of the story was that uh, Ananias and Sapphira were selling a, a property, and the property was theirs and all the possessions was theirs, but they were going to give it to the church, and they told Peter that is this, Peter said, is this all there was? And they said, yes. But they had actually taken some and hidden it for themselves, lying to Peter, not only to Peter, but to God and the Holy Spirit. And so they both died for, this, for that sin. Point number five, when guidance needs to be received and decisions have to be made. Okay, in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, now it came to pass in those days that he went out of the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus went to the mountain alone to pray. In verse 13, we read, And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Now he chose and called the twelve men who were to be with him during his three-year earthly ministry. We constantly make decisions and how important it is, especially with those bigger decisions, to set aside a time when we can unhurriedly seek God and get to know His will. This is exactly what I said earlier in this study. Please don't assume it is okay to do something just because it sounds good and seems to be a working method for you. God may not and probably not okay with it, because it may not be his divine will, because you never prayed and asked his guidance and leadership. 
So number point number six, when service needs to be rendered and power has to be secured. What would happen if every preacher of the word fasted and prayed before preaching until he received power from on high? Well, there's no doubt really as to what would happen. Looking at Judges 20, 26, 2 Chronicles 22 and 30, uh, Esther 4, 9, and, and also chapter 8, verse 17, and finally Ezra 8, 21 and 23, we find there God working powerfully through fasting and prayer, and it would be we would be endued with power from on high. Now Luke 24, 49 says, But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is coming evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. God will bless our witnessing in a worldwide way that will glorify him in the salvation of souls. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of uh, Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The two greatest powers we have on this earth is God's word and prayer. Number seven, when revival needs to be experienced and tears have to be shed. Now, God wants uh, us all to be a joyful people, but also he wants us to be a tearful people. If we look at Nehemiah chapter one, verses three and four, and they said to me, the survivors are uh, who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the, the God of heaven. Acts 20, verses 18 and 19. You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I also lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews that's Paul speaking 1 Peter 1 6-8 in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while if need be you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible, and full of glory. There are some situations where prayer alone is not enough. It must be accomplished by fasting, as Jesus himself said in Mark 9, 20, 29, pray that God will teach us not only to pray, Luke 11, 1, but that when circumstances demand it, he will teach us to fast and pray. Now, sometimes our prayers are hindered. And we want to look at this and say how our prayers are hindered. In Peter chapter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. In this section of our study, the Apostle Paul takes it for granted that Christians habitually pray. 
We should not take it for granted that Christians automatically pray just because they are Christians. Sadly, some claim Christianity because they were baptized and joined the church, but do not pray. Usually the person comes to the pastor for membership. The pastor asks, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Response is, absolutely yes. Then the pastor votes with the church for membership through baptism, and pretty much in a nutshell, that's how one becomes a quote-unquote Christian. You see, what unbelievers don't understand is that the church is not the saving power. It is not the church. It is only the gathering place of the Christians. The Holy Spirit of God draws a sinner to the repentance. At that point, he or she will have to make a choice to repent and be saved or to reject and continue on in their current lost status. A true God loving, saved individual will have the necessity to pray and be drawn to prayer by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the object of prayer will be in the true believer's heart day and night, always. He or she will not be able to escape this conviction to pray. The continued sinner will not have this conviction to pray. Believing that Jesus is true and a real person mentally is not the same as believing in Jesus and having the Spirit in your heart. We have to have Jesus in our heart, not in just in our mind, but in our heart also, believing that he is the Christ and our Savior. I mean, just think a moment. Satan believes that Jesus is real and knows that he is God's only son, but he is far from being accepting Jesus for who he is. Many, many Christians today do not pray privately. If they are asked to pray, they may elect to do so, but this is not private one-on-one -on -one prayer to God. If they do not pray privately, then it can be assumed that they do not have family prayer either. When and if they do pray, we must ask, are the prayers hindered? Now, we know these statements are true because our own experiences tell us so. The Bible tells us what those hindrances are scattered throughout the Word of God are clear warnings and statements that leave us no doubt at all as to how our prayers are hindered. If we look at Psalms chapter 66, uh, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Okay, in Proverbs 21, 13, whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. 28.9, it says, One who turns away uh, his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer, is an abomination. Isaiah 59.2, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sin has hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. So the hindrances that prevent us from praying, if you allow yourself to become spiritually slack and careless, you will soon find that prayer is hindered. Your desire for prayer will go, and your estimate of prayer will change completely. Or if you neglect the Bible and give, give up reading it, you will find uh, prayer is hindered. Overwork will crowd out prayer. It is, it is possible to be so busy for God that there's uh, little, little or no time left for quiet, uninterrupted prayer. Beware of the barrenness of a busy life. A worldly spirit will hinder prayer. If our affections are set upon earthly things to such an extent that we are neglecting heavenly and spiritual things, then prayer will most likely and certainly be hindered. It is also true that a badly ordered life will hinder prayer. To be 
very late to bed is not conductive to early rising and is therefore a hindrance to the morning devotional time with God. Probably you will think of other hindrances or blocks that stand in the pathway that leads to the place of prayer. Now looking at Acts chapter 16 verse 13, we find that on the seventh day we went out to the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made and we sat down and spoke to the women who, who met there. The hindrances that prevent us from prevailing in prayer, these hindrances that prevent our prayers from being effective, we pray but get no answer into our prayers. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the apostle mentions seven hindrances to prayer, and the key phrase, key phrase is at the end of the uh, verse 7, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. When we pray and fail to gain the answer, it may be due to one of the following reasons. Number one, a wrong relationship with God. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do, not, who do evil. That is, the prayer of the righteous, or those who are right with God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, we must know the Lord Jesus, our Savior, and God is our Heavenly Father before we can be sure that our prayers will be heard and answered. A wrong relationship with God because of unknown sin or unconfessed sin could cause this communication breakdown in one's life. A wrong relationship with others. A relationship between a husband and wife must be such as honors God as, verse, as stated in verse 1, not only is a man to love his wife as Christ loved the church, but the wife is to be submissive to their own husband. Prayers can be hindered by the failure of the woman to recognize her God-ordained place. Verse 1, and husbands can hinder prayer also as verse 7 tells us, servants and masters can hinder prayer as 1 Peter 2.18 points out, servants be submissive to your masters, with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. Then we find in verse 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Today, that would mean honor the government or honor the authorities over us. Searching all these verses are important so that we make sure that our relationships with others are pleasing to God. Worldly and provocative dress can hinder prayer. Down verses 3 and 4, it's easy to see how this is out of hand today. Do not let your atonement be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing the gold, or putting on fine apparel, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. In this modern day, because of advertisement and self-pride, we always are concerned with our outward appearance or lacking on the inner person within the heart. Let's look at 1 Samuel 16, 7 and see what God is interested in and where uh, we need to focus. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord does not want us to look intentionally dowdy or even wildly conspicuous. 
in the matter of dress. A sinner may say that when they get themselves together physically, then they will seek God. But God wants sinners the way they are. He is the one that gets them together. A proud, haughty spirit can hinder uh, prayer. Verse 4 tells us how beautiful to have a meek and quiet spirit. When we look at Luke 18, verses 9 to 14, we will see an example of this. The Pharisee praying in a boisterous attitude, praising himself for how great he is, yet the other tax collector, verse 13, would not even look up, but cried out, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now look what Jesus tells about the situation. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbled himself will be exalted. We must be humble in all things when we come before the throne of grace and, and uh, realize God's greatness and our nothingness. Then we are in a place where prayer will be uh, surely be effective. A lack of Christian love will hinder prayer. What a blessing would result if we would think through this verse, First uh, Peter chapter three, verse eight through nine. What a need there is for God's people to be compassionate, sympathetic, courteous, kind, and gentle. And these are the conditions that must be met if we are going to be successful in our prayers. He says, finally, all of you. Be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Unclean lips will surely hinder prayer. For he who would love life and he and uh, see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. They tell us that the lips that utter prayer must be clean and that God can never hear and answer prayers that are muttered by gossiping, lying, deceitful, and unkind lips. Most people today do not realize the severity of this. Our lips as a whole are in constant violation of this, and I mean anyone or the other of these is actually a sin to man. For some reason, we think it's okay to do these, and God will overlook it. Not so. God reminds us daily, we are to be holy, for he is holy. Now, a bad conscience will hinder prayer, and verse 16 says, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile uh, your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. And in verse 21, it says, There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the renewal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a great thing it is to be able to look upon into the face of our loving Heavenly Father and know that we have a conscience void of offense. If when you come to the place of prayer to make known your request to the Lord, you remember something that is displeasing or grieving to him, that is the thing that is hindering prayer. And that is the thing that must be dealt with 
and confess. As Christ-believing Christians, we must always realize that sin, no matter how small, is sin. God looks at all sin the same way. Now, I know that there are some sins that are worse than others, and that's very true, but the little sin hindrances prayer just as much as big, as big sins. So we must have a Christian, godly attitude, a Christ love for people, for Christ, and to lift up his name above all names, for he is our redeemer and, and reconciles us to, to God and makes it uh, possible for us to even come before God with our uh, prayers of, of uh, petitions and uh, supplications. We want to thank you once again for uh, being here today. Thank you for listening to us. And we hope this has been a blessing to you and that our prayer life is very important and we need to maintain it, all of our energy, all of our strength that's available to us to do this. Prayer is very important. That's our communication link to God. And God expects us to pray. So let's have our closing prayer. We'll be dismissed. And next time we'll be looking at... uh, praying for joy and happiness and this will be a two-part lesson that will be our next lesson praying for joy and happiness let's have our closing prayer father we thank you for the opportunity once again that we had to study your word and to study this lesson father i pray that prayer will become the centerpiece of every christian's life lord that our spirits will be lifted up to pray to you and to ask you Uh, for the many blessings of life that you bestow upon us. Lord, that the very fact that we're still here means that you still are interested in us, you love us, and you're not through with us. If you were through with us, we would already be in your presence. So, Father, we thank you for life. I thank you for this ministry and for the people that are listening to it. I pray that you would be with each and every one, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.